Hey, what's up, Fratcast? It's Vince Mancini here. Um, if you've read me, my writing in Uproxx this week, uh, maybe you're tired of Judas and the Black Messiah already. Uh, if so, I'm sorry. Um, I just thought, uh, you know, it was a big movie, and I was sort of interested in the time period and all of the historical events surrounding that. Um, you know, it's a movie about the assassination of Fred Hampton. Um, and so to try and sort of understand more about it, I reached out to a historian uh, named Simon Balto, who's the uh, assistant professor of history and African-American studies at Iowa University. Um, he's written a book called Occupied Territory, uh, Policing Black Chicago from Red Summer to Black Power. And uh, he's working on a biography of Fred Hampton, who, of course, the movie is about. Um, so, you know, I quoted him a lot in an article I wrote about the fact and fiction of Judas and the Black Messiah, but, you know, he had a lot to say other, he had a lot more to say than I, than what I could quote him on. And, um, you know, and I thought that was worth posting as a podcast episode, you know, it's a little more nuanced and, uh, he had more to say than I could fit in a print article, um, and I thought it was an interesting conversation, so I'm just going to share it uh, for you guys to listen to here, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Cool. So, uh, right, so you, this is your sort of area of expertise. What were your you know, general thoughts on the movie? Um, you know, my general thoughts on the film was that it was a really, a very beautifully acted film, a, a very beautifully shot film, and a sort of politically not perfect film. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I, what I mean by that is that uh, I think it's, hard to to come away from the film with a particularly coherent understanding of of what revolutionary politics looked like for someone like Fred Hampton. You know, I I think that there's a lot of important stuff that was depicted in the film that holds true to, um, you know, to the work that he was doing in terms of, um, you know, expressions of of solidarity and, and community organizing not just in, in black Chicago, but, you know, across racial lines in the city, um, you know, working with the, the young Lords and the young Patriots. But I think that there's also a deeper kind of uh, philosophy that could have been explored in terms of thinking about Hampton as, you know, a really dedicated socialist and, you know, and adherent to, to Marxist philosophy, um, you know, that, that sort of got lost, right. I think. Um, and I, I don't think that that was, you know, something that the filmmakers intended to do. I think that the filmmakers are, are, are very, um, you know, deeply committed to, to trying to tell a, a story about Fred Hampton, but I think that it just got lost a bit because of the focus, um, on William O'Neill. Um, you know, I think that, that, that creative choice just sort of led to some inability to really, Deep, like deeply, you know, get into what um, what Hampton's pol- political philosophies really looked like. Right. So O'Neill was uh, the Lakeith Stanfield character, and that was the uh, FBI inform. I know the pitch that uh, Shaka King got was uh, the Departed in the world of Cointel Pro, and so you know their main character basically was 
O'Neill, like how much did you know about that character and like what, uh, you know, what were your, what were your thoughts on that character depiction, I guess? Um, I, I think that the William O'Neill character, I mean, I, I think Lakeith Stanfield, um, deserves awards. I mean, I think that that was just an absolutely incredible performance. Um, and I think, I think the character was, was more or less fairly well-written, um, I think that, you know, there's a, a, a real, you know, I, I think that in some ways he ends up being, a, a, you know, a victim in the film. And I think that that's, you know, in, in some ways true. I mean, I don't want to say that that William O'Neill was a sympathetic character because he's he's termed Judas in the film for a reason. Right. I mean, he, he committed just shocking acts of betrayal, but this is sort of what the FBI did to people, right? I mean, that the FBI did this to a number of different people within the Panthers, and it did it to a lot of people in in other um, leftist organizations, especially during that time, and, uh, you know, and, and not just confined to that time, you know, that um, taking people who are desperate and turning the screws on them to to do these types of things. And so, I think that the the character was really well done by Stanfield. I think that it was was pretty well written. I just I just still I I understand you know the appeal of that pitch from mm-hmm. um, you know from a, a a filmmaker's perspective you know and it's a I mean it's a really gripping movie right I mean it's mm-hmm. like if you're just watching it just purely for to see a really well done movie I think it's a really well done movie um, but I just think that the the focus on 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 O'Neill, even though it's well done, it's like it's a well executed version of that pitch. Uh, I just don't really understand the pitch in terms of, you know, wanting this to be a film about Fred Hampton. But um, I, I've, I, I think I read somewhere, I don't know if it was Shaka King or if it was someone else, you know, one of the other uh, filmmakers involved, but, you know, they basically said, we didn't, we don't intend for this to be the last word on, on Fred Hampton. And we hope that there are other films made about him and, you know, that this is just sort of one angle for it. So I guess I, I can understand that. I just, as someone who has, has thought about Fred Hampton a a lot for, for a lot of years, um, you know, I was just hoping that it would be a film that more centered him and, and wasn't so focused on William O'Neill. Right. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's focused on O'Neill, and it's I don't really understand the the character arc necessarily with him because uh, like in real life he was like seventeen years old when uh you know when he first became an FBI informant. A lot of people criticized it for like the age difference, yeah, um, which didn't I don't know didn't really bother me just because those guys are such great actors. But um, I feel like for a movie that's all about that character and his character arc. I didn't really understand necessarily like what it was. I feel like we got to the end of the movie and we still didn't have like a strong sense of who that guy was. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the there's some some curious choices made with the way that his story concludes. Um you know, the so there's the really famous eyes on the prize interview that William O'Neill gives um uh, where he's talking about, you know, the murder of Fred Hampton. Um, and he, he talks about feeling really bad about it, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and we can take that with, you know, with immense grains of salt, obviously, because, you know, I mean, ultimately he can't take back what he did, but, you know, I mean, he, he is very, you can see that he's 
you know, emotionally um, sort of distraught by, you know, reckoning with, with what he did. Um, and the film doesn't really do that. The film, you know, when, when, so the Keith Stanfield is, is, um, is recreating that eyes on the prize interview. Um, and the film focuses on, you know, O'Neill's kind of shocking quotes about him not being a, an armchair revolutionary and mm-hmm. that he was out there doing the work and stuff. And, you know, and it just makes him seem, you know, quite frankly, like an unapologetic asshole. Right. Um, and um, so I, I think that there's probably a bit more nuance that, you know, that played out in, in real life in terms of, you know, how O'Neill responded, you know, emotionally to, to what he did um, than, than the film depicts. But again, I mean, to come back to the pitch, like you don't, you don't frame someone as Judas and then, you know, give them, you know, a final word that, that shows that they're, you know, really sorrowful for, for what they, you know, what they had done. Um, you know, and, and I, I've said this, but I've pointed this out before, um, but, you know, I mean, O'Neill's like sort of the depths of his betrayal of Hampton really do run even deeper. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that than the, what the film you know, portrays. I mean, he was the pallbearer at, at Fred Hampton's funeral, right? I mean, he, he literally carried, um, you know, carried the, the body of, of this, um, you know, of this revolutionary who he played a direct role in, in helping to assassinate. And I think that that's just such a, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just such a terrible um, coda on right. the you know on, on the relationship that the two of them had i mean i would have liked to see that i think uh yeah it's interesting because i mean the whole that character's arc is that you know he goes in having to or you know supposedly having to sell out fred hampton to try to get out from under the charges that he's under um the, right you know the fbi is basically you know you could say they're forcing him into it and then i guess like the movie ends with the act that broke him and then and then it's just skips straight to his last interview. So there's like, it's like the the act that would have sort of broken him, and then skip, and then there's that speech that it's hard to know what to take from that, and then that's kind of uh, that's kind of where we leave it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and his, um, you know, his he he basically, I mean, he this was that was not the last job that he did for, um, you know, for the FBI, right? I mean, he was, um, you know, he was doing a, a number of other stuff, a number of other things in Chicago for a little while after that. He was, he, he ended up in the witness protection program in, um, a, a few years later, I think in the early, in like, in like 73 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, and then obviously he, he ultimately commits suicide. I mean, I, I think that he was really racked. I, I do think that he was really honestly racked by what he, by what he did. You know, I think it's also just like people, like people need to not be uh, so sympathetic that they lose the plot though. Right. right? I mean, which is like William O'Neill had, like he had a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had a choice of, of doing the things that he ultimately did do, which was, you know, um, commit the ultimate act of betrayal against Fred Hampton. Um, uh, or he could have, you know, chosen to, to, you know, just accept the charges against him and, and, you know, 
and serve time. I mean, neither of which are, are, are good options, right? I mean, but it's not to say that he that he didn't have a choice, you know, and he ultimately he made the one that he made. Right. Um yeah, I think the um one of the more controversial choices to me in the movie was the way that they did uh Roy Mitchell, uh the Jesse Plemons character mm-hmm. who was you know, O'Neill's FBI handler. So the way the movie sort of tells it, uh like they kind of make Mitchell into like sort of a boy scout like he got in like they you know they talk about how he uh did like that Mississippi burning case um mm-hmm. where he's trying to buddy up with uh with O'Neill to tell him how he you know he helped the civil rights workers but then uh like the way the movie tells it it's kind of like he was a boy scout what, I mean what what was your sense of um Mitchell in real life as opposed to uh what we got in the movie um, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know a ton about Roy Mitchell's career arc other than, um, you know, other than his role in, in facilitating the surveillance of an assassination of Fred Hampton. Um, I don't really get the, the way that I don't, I don't understand the rationale for, um, for, for depicting him in such a sort of through, through a bit of a, a victim's frame too. Right. I mean, that yeah. he's. Um, he's, he's depicted in the, in the film as being sort of shocked and horrified initially, like his initial response to, to being given the instructions from J. Edgar Hoover to facilitate the the murder of Fred Hampton. Um, you know, he's depicted as, as being kind of taken aback by it. I, I, I mean, I, it, that's just, it, it doesn't really compute, mm-hmm. um, to me. I mean, that I, I don't think that you would be a, a field agent for the FBI, in the 1960s, as the as the FBI is is waging war uh, against civil rights groups, against black power groups, against you know anti-war organizations, you know, you, I don't think you, I don't think it's it's particularly believable that Mitchell would have been surprised to to you know receive such instruction to to you know eliminate um, assassinate Fred Hampton. Um, so I don't I don't fully get the um, the the rationale for doing that except for except for perhaps a desire to just show J Edgar Hoover um in the worst possible light which he deserves right, right. i mean J Edgar Hoover deserves to be portrayed in in the worst possible light he was i mean just an absolutely atrocious human being but i you know i don't think yeah. that someone like Roy Mitchell is is taking the job that he that he took and sort of being and from a from a place of of being naive about mm. the limits to or about the lengths and lack of limits i should say to to which um the FBI would go to to eliminate people that they viewed as as threats the way that they viewed Fred Hampton so yeah i, I don't know i i found it sort of a an interesting um creative choice with with how the character was was written right i mean they basically make it like he didn't want to go along with this plan and then you know big bad j edgar hoover came in and like threatened his family and daughter and then uh and then he sort of goes along with it but right Right. i mean i mean have you looked at like the court cases after like did you ever get a sense from anything after the fact that mitchell was anything but proud of having uh, like participated in this raid that in the raid that they killed Hampton during? Um, no, I don't get a sense of that at all. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, like, uh, I mean, you know, the, you know, the film talks about how, or the film shows 
Roy Mitchell, you know, in his kind of pitch to, um, to, to the William O'Neill character, it, it shows Mitchell drawing these, you know, direct and utterly false equivalences between the clan and the Panthers. Um, they're utterly false equivalences, but I think that someone like Roy Mitchell probably believed them to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, or at least could, could find a way to, to sort of, you know, mangle logic into, into such a position as to, as to frame them as equivalent. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, I should say too, that, you know, my, my knowledge of, of what Roy Mitchell was doing is basically just drawn from looking at pages and pages and pages of, of the FBI file into mm-hmm. Hampton's assassination. So it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's a little bit of just kind of a literal black and white reading of, of him just in terms of looking at typed words on, on the page. Right. Um, but I don't, I never saw anything that suggests that he was distraught about the outcome or, or anything, mm-hmm. but pleased with the outcome, you know, I mean, yeah. because I mean, the outcome was really that, yeah, I mean, it, it very much, you know, the assassination of Fred Hampton very much did uh, shatter the the Chicago Panthers. I mean, um, you know, it's not to say that the Panthers, you know, completely dissolved in the aftermath of, of Hampton's assassination. But I mean, the the loss of, of someone, you know, so brilliant and so effective um, in doing the work that he was doing um it, it it really crippled the Chicago Panthers. And I think that there's a very solid case to be made that it crippled um, the, the Panthers nationally um, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, Hampton was, Hampton was being, was, was very much in consideration for a national uh, leadership position um, by the, by the Panthers um, at the time of his assassination, you know, despite the fact that he was only 21 years old. I mean, that's just how effective he was. And, you know, the, the FBI's, efforts to, to, you know, to eliminate the Panthers, um, you know, whether that meant through, you know, through literal, um, you know, violence and murder or through incarceration or through, you know, people fleeing the country to, to escape incarceration or to escape, uh, you know, a violent death, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it was, it, it made it so that the organization at a national level needed someone like Hampton because so many other people were in exile, because so many other people were incarcerated, because so many people had, had already been killed. The assassination really did rob the Panthers of, you know, this potential, um, young, brilliant, um, you know, not just orator, but, but organizer as well. And so, you know, from the perspective of someone like Roy Mitchell, that's mission accomplished, right? right. I mean, like the, the assassination is, is mission accomplished in terms of really being just a gutting um, move for, for uh, the Panthers. Right. Um, yeah. Speaking of false equivalencies, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to overstate like that, how, like how bad I, or good I think the movie, I think the movie did a great job of certain things, like all the way up until, up until like the, uh, events leading up to, um, Ham- the Hampton raid. I, I liked, I liked all the stuff that it was showing Hampton doing and, and seeing him speak. And, uh, and I thought some of those scenes were great, but there, but then there's sort of this chain of events uh that starts with i think uh in the movie they call him jimmy palmer where there's like, these cops and they're uh they're frisking these guys inside a store and then jimmy palmer kind of comes in like a cowboy and like tries to pull a gun on him and uh and then there's mm-hmm. like a shootout 
Um, what do you know about like what that is based on and what that looked like, uh, you know, in reality? Yeah, I mean, the, so this this actually speaks to one of the things that I find kind of um, kind of like if there's a big knock that I have on the film beyond just that I wish it had more um, more to say sort of politically that uh, about Hampton um, is that. There's a, and I, I had a hard time sort of wrapping my head around this when I was watching the film, but as I was thinking about it after the fact, it's, it does a really strange thing in the sense of kind of accepting the police version of mm-hmm. events in, in things that are, that are otherwise actually pretty contested. So what I mean by that is that, so the, so this, this event that, that takes place with, with Jimmy Palmer getting into this gunfight with with the Chicago police. I, I think that that's meant to be uh, a depiction of what happened to, um, with a, a, a guy named Larry Roberson, who was a, a, a Panther in Chicago. And according to, to, you know, what I, my understanding of, of what transpired on that day was that uh, Roberson and, and another Panther were out uh, on the street selling Panther or selling copies of the, the Panther newspaper, which is a pretty common fundraising um, initiative uh, by the Panthers, both in Chicago and elsewhere. And so Roberson and, and his, his comrades see uh, CPD officers harassing a, a group of, of older black men. And they basically go over to sort of ask what's going on. Um, and from there, the, the reports of what happened are, you know, basically diverged where um, the, the, Chicago police said that uh, Roberson drew a gun and started firing at them. Um, and the Panthers reported that Roberson didn't even have a gun on him, let mm-hmm. alone, um, let alone having shot at officers. Um, and, and that, you know, that plays out, um, uh, you know, a couple of times in the film, you know, where it, it, it basically portrays uh, violence between police and the Panthers as being, initiated by the Panthers. Um, and you know, that sort of the Panthers are are the instigators, even if, you know, it also depicts the, the, the cops as being, you know, just horribly racist and violent, you know, that, but in these sort of like kind of key turning points in the film, it, it, it shows the Panthers as, as instigating violence, um, in a way that just like, it's, it's essentially, taking how what the police said about what had gone down as the correct version of events that should be depicted as such when what actually happened in those in those moments was was really contested and mm-hmm. it depended on who you asked what happened and so I, I just find it interesting that in a, in a film about the panthers the panthers recall of events is the one that is sort of discarded in in some of these incidents yeah it seems like there was a series of three scenes where it almost felt like there was like a police consultant on the film or something i mean (laughs) there's that because there's i I, I highly doubt there was but (laughs) (laughs) right right. but if but it feels like a very like i gotta do both sides like just right here i mean and i say that because um you know after the uh jimmy palmer scene there's like the raid on the headquarters and then there's uh the someone who's playing a, a judy Harmon character like she the way that she like pumps the shotgun and aims it at the cops and, and initiates the shootout 
sounds exactly like the lie that they told after the Panther raid. Like, like after the Panther raid, isn't that what? Sorry, after the Hampton raid, like wasn't the story that like, oh, you know, they were shooting a pump action shotgun at? Like, it's weird. It's a weird echo mm-hmm. of their fake story that was proven f- false, right? <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the so that that scene was was really the other major one that I was thinking of, where where um, you know events were were like re- reported differently by the Panthers than they were by the by the cops. Um, I don't, you know, there that so that shootout scene is. Um, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily. I don't think it probably um, reflects one single real event i think it's sort of an amalgamation of that sort of is a stand-in for uh kind of the constant raids and assaults that the cpd was was waging on panther headquarters throughout 1969 and you know usually what what happened during those raids was you know i mean they were they were done usually under the cover of darkness sometime you know between like midnight and 5 a.m um and they, uh, you know, the, the, by, by the Panthers accounts, uh, usually what happened was that the, the police came in, um, just destroyed the, uh, the offices, burned food for the breakfast program and, and, you know, were the, were the instigators of violence. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not to say that there was, that there were not, there, you know, that there was not a, a, a sort of cold war between the Panthers and the CPD that did have hot flashpoints. But it is to say that, like those hot flashpoints, if you if you are to listen to the Panthers, generally speaking, were were started by by the by the police. So yeah, I, I think that that's you know I I don't know if it's a if it was a choice made to to sort of make the Panthers to to sort of adhere to to the Panthers to, to a vision of the Panthers as as being this really militant organization, um, which it obviously obviously was. Um, but it's also, you know, I think it, it sort of gets, gets some things wrong in the sense that, you know, the Panthers were also, I mean, especially under Hampton's leadership in Chicago, were also very concerned with being strategic with things. Right. I mean, and you see this a a little bit in the film where, you know, where Hampton is just like when, um, when the William O'Neill character is talking about bombing city hall, Hampton's just like, what are you talking about? Right. I mean, like, you know, that's, that's, it's stupid. Um, and so that, you know, in terms of thinking about responding to police violence, um, they were strategic, right? I mean, that like, and I think that that's important, right? I mean, I think it's important to understand, you know, the strategy that would have been involved in these types of, of encounters. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem in character for the, you know, like being, uh militant and being like willing to defend yourself doesn't seem like it would uh you know involve walking up to the police and like pulling a gun on <laughs> on them i guess in the way yeah, right. in, at least yeah. in the way the movie shows it mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that that's correct um yeah so uh, and then there's the Jake Winter scene which uh you mm-hmm. know that was a real guy but in the movie you know he has that sort of gun battle and uh you know, and he shoots the cop on the ground. It seems like they went, I don't know. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on that scene in general? Um, you know, I, so I, I think that the, I, I'm of mixed feelings about that scene. Um, I, and I, the reason I say that is because again, you know, we're left with 
uh, an account of that scene of, of what happened that night that's reliant solely upon police accounts um, because Jake Winters was dead. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so, 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 so for the most part, any reconstruction of, of events as they unfolded, um, you know, in the lead up to, to Jake Winters death are just, it's, it's coming from the stories of, of the police. Um, that being said, um, you know, from, from everything that I've read, I mean, you know, Jake Winters was really, really upset by the death of his friend, Larry Roberson, mm-hmm. um, you know, who had, uh, who's the Jimmy Palmer character in, in the, in the film. And, um, he's really, really upset and, uh, does, you know, go out and essentially have kind of a, a, a one man, um, standoff with Chicago police officers and, and two officers do end up dead. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the body count doesn't lie. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I like, it, it was, a, a case where, you know, the, 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 the basic facts of it are that, you know, two police officers were killed in this gunfight and Jake Winters was killed in a hail of police bullets. Um, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, so that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, in terms of the, the sort of core facts, um, and I think that that is, is depicted for the most part, correctly, at least as I understand it. Right. Um, I mean, know, there's a certain yeah. like gratuitousness with which they shot that scene that, uh, I don't know, it's, again, it sort of reminded me of, you know, like after things like the, like Attica prison raid where the cops kind of, they made the the killings seem more like graphic than they were in a way, and that, and that's kind of the way this mm-hmm. scene felt. Like I don't know, like I mean, I know that guy. The the two cops died, and one sort of had the execution wounds, but uh, but then it also seemed like there was a level of uh, I don't know, making it extra savage in a way, I guess. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I can't, you know, as someone who wasn't a filmmaker or pardon me, who isn't a filmmaker, I can't really explain that choice. Um, I will just like, I'll just say that for me, at least it didn't ring as violently wrong on the facts. Mm-hmm. I will right, say. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it's just a matter of sort of juxtaposition and, uh, and you know, the way that like the, the just little details in the way they shot it, which are all, not really factual <laughs> discrepancies so much as artistic choices. Right, right. You know, in terms of the depiction of Hampton, like, uh, what do you think, like, they did right generally? And, uh, you know, what scenes would uh, you have liked to see in there? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think it was just, you know, wonderfully acted. Um, and I, I think that it does a lot of really great things. Um, I think again, that I'm, I'm really glad that, um, you know, that they included the, the work that he was doing in terms of, uh, you know, multiracial, you know, radical solidarity organizing. I think that that's really important. And I think it, I think that that's important and instructive for, you know, the, the period in which, you know, we're currently living, um, as well. Um, and so I, I think that that especially was really important. I think that, you know, the depictions of, you know, Hampton was a big believer in political education, you know, and, and people 
sort of learning what, you know, what revolution looked like. Um, and so I, I think that, that showing, like doing those sorts of depictions were, were really well done and, and really useful. I just, I think that, again, I mean, my, my critique of the, my critique of the film as it, uh, you know, as it is, is, is basically just that I wanted, I wanted their, them to do a different film, right? right yeah. Like I, I wanted, I wanted them to not, I wanted this to not be a film that was, you know, at least evenly split between William O'Neill and Fred Hampton, if not actually probably prioritizing the lens of, of William O'Neill. Um, and so that leads to, you know, that just leads to things being sacrificed. You know, I, I think that, and I don't know how you make a, a, a really compelling Hollywood blockbuster film that does, you know, sophisticated political analysis and, and depictions of, of sophisticated uh, political philosophies. But I, you know, I do just think that, there's 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 room to show more about you know the the really um crucial um you know aspects of of Hampton's political philosophy in terms of his adherence to socialism in terms of his um you know his adherence to to marxist thought um you know and and really to to you know i i think that there is room to to portray him even more fully as a revolutionary radical thinker um, and organizer than the film did, even though, again, the film, you know, the film does do some really good things mm -hmm. with, with, with that. I mean, the, the final thing I, I guess I, I will say that I, that I do think is really important um, uh, that it does well is um, its depiction of, of Hampton's gender politics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, the, the Panthers have been sort of famously and, and in a lot of cases rightfully maligned as being, you know, really masculinist and, and oftentimes chauvinist organization. And, and Hampton didn't truck with that. I mean, he was, you know, if you, if you go back and, and, you know, and, and, and look at interviews with, you know, with former Panther women who knew him, you know, I mean, they, they'll talk a lot about how, you know, Hampton just was not down for um, any sort of sexism within the organization because he saw it as counter-revolutionary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that that's, you know, that too, you know, especially in, in, in you know, 2020 and 2021, when most of our uh, best and, and, and um, most important um, political thinkers responding to our own time are, are, are Black women, you know, I think that that's a really important um, lesson to, to be drawing out from, from Hampton's own life. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want the final word that I leave about the film to, to be one of, of abject critique, because I think that it does a lot of really good things, a lot of really right. important things. I, mean, I him, just, him, I think he, that there's yeah. probably a little bit more, there's probably a little bit more that, that could have been done if, if, you know, if they were making a film that was more centrally about Fred Hampton. Right. I mean, him uniting the uh, young Patriots and the, uh, and the uh, uh, I forget what the Puerto Rican gang is called. I, I seem like those the young really, I thought they did some really good stuff in those scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I and that's that's what I mean in terms of you know doing doing the work of of you know building a rainbow coalition and and doing the work of of you know kind of radical solidarity. Um, you know, because I, I mean that's it's really true to to the facts of what was going on in Chicago in the sense of you know, um, what Hampton and, and his colleagues in the, in the Panthers were like the pitch that they were making to, to these other organizations and, and the work that they were doing with these other organizations was essentially look like, you know, you Apple, you, you white Appalachian migrants to Chicago, um, you know, to, especially to uptown in Chicago, you know, you are experiencing similar types of grinding poverty 
you know, that we out on the West side, you know, and, and we on the South side are experiencing, right. I mean that, mm. you know, and then the same sort of, the same sort of uh, pitch to the young Lords, uh, you know, and, and, and in a lot of ways, the same pitch to, you know, to the street gangs, you know, to the black street gangs. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's really, um, you know, I, I think that that was well done and, and, and really important. And, you know, I hope that someone makes another movie about Fred Hampton and, you know, does even more of that type of stuff. Right. Well, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, no problem, Vince. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Cool. Take care.